Truth be told, this world is cold. When Jesus saved my soul, it made my life whole. Well, searching scriptures for a deeper picture. Yeah, reading daily makes the Bible clearer. Yeah, truth be, truth be told that no one knows how much the Father loved that He sent His only Son. There can only be one who could change us for the better. Truth be told. Welcome, welcome back to Truth Be Told. This is your host and Bible teacher, Raheem Bay, And I'm excited to finally be coming back with another episode. <laughs> it's been about three to four weeks um, since we did our second part to the identity in Christ, our identity in Christ. And um, we will be doing our third part to the identity in Christ. Who am I? Um, but for this week, um, I just wanted to talk about something that is very prevalent right now, and that is the issue of police brutality, um, racism in America, and specifically the Black Lives Matter. Uh, how should Christians view the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, how should we deal with the racial prejudices that are in America today? And the biggest question is, what would Jesus say about this? Uh, because that's the main objective for us to represent Christ, right? To represent his point of view um it's easy to to uh for us to react and say things that are based on our own opinion but at truth be told i want to bring you the truth from christ from the word of god and we want to look at what the bible says about this and what does jesus say about it because we are followers of Christ. Amen. So, yeah, for the last few weeks, or I would say probably a month, we've had some horrendous uh, murders from uh, police officers and just random white people that are just shooting down black people. Um, we had Ahmad Arbery. He was shot and killed while jogging. Um, then we had George Floyd, who was detained by the police officers and was killed. Um, and everyone saw the video by now. Um, so and shortly after that, we had the, the response from the black community and the white community who are just tired of seeing those things. Um, so there was a lot of riots and it's there still are protests and different things. And we all know that this is not new to America. Um, this has been going on for over 400 years now. And the issue has come to the church um, to, to, to say, what are we going to do? 
about this or what should we do about this? Um, and over the years, I've seen like the different responses from different leaders saying that the church should act. The church should be a part of the Black Lives Matter movement. The church should be out front. And that's very true because as we we're going to look in today, look at the scriptures today and see what God thinks about uh, all lives, but obviously those who are brokenhearted, those who have been uh, beat down and discouraged and, and oppressed. We know that the God that we serve specifically hunts down those who are oppressed and the oppressed in this nation has been African-Americans again for over 400 years, uh, whether it be through slavery, through Jim Crow, and even up to till today, um, there's still different things that are going on that are clearly racially motivated. And so uh, this teaching is not, it's not really, it's the teaching, but it's also encouragement and it's not going to be specifically, you know, as long as the, you know, the usual episodes that we we've done here. So, um, but I just want to talk about what is the impact and again, what should we do about it as believers? And I want to go to Acts chapter 10 verse 34 35 Acts chapter 10 verse 34 and 35 it says in truth I perceive that God shows no partiality but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him Okay, so we see a verse right there in Acts that says that God shows no partiality. And he accepts everyone. Amen. So when we hear uh, some Christians even say all lives matter, you know, obviously that's true, right? Because God created every human being and every human being is loved by God. Um, and that includes African-Americans, right? So that's why we, we kind of say that all lives matter, okay? But let's go into another verse in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Just read real quick here. It says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so, and I can keep going on and on about the clear message of the Bible, clear message of the word of God, that God loves everyone. And that if you claim to be a believer in Christ and feel like you are superior to another race, then you are not walking in line with what God says. Okay, you're doing you're going in the opposite direction and God does not approve of 
superiority of a race because he's he loves everyone him there is no favoritisms there's no special people um that he calls over another he calls everyone and he loves everyone amen and yeah so we see clearly that he loves everyone and throughout the history of america especially during slavery years um a lot of white christians kind of made a mockery of those things of the idea that god loves everyone but yet at the same time they were still treating us african americans like slaves like less than humans and yet they claim the name of Christ. And so today we, we, we are, we're still frustrated. We're still um, hurt and angry that there's still people around that are racist, uh, still people who believe that we are less than, that our lives don't matter. And so, yeah, we understand that all lives matter because Jesus loves everyone. White, black, Indian, Asian, Puerto Rican, everyone. But he loves every one of us specifically. So much so that no one should be treated less than any other. And that's what's been happening in our country for over 400 years. And so, so I'm just pointing out some verses that will show us that we all... There's easily, I can go on and on, but there's these verses will point out that there's no partiality with God. He doesn't have favorites. There's no race above another. And I can go on and on with different verses. But I wanted to actually share today a couple of quotes from the early Christian church. Um, and I think it's important to share some of these because we rarely have seen... Um, in history, Christianity uh, done in a, in a biblical way, unfortunately. But um, I'm, I'm going to be reading some quotes from the early church, some of the early church writers in the second century, third century, to kind of prove the point of there's no partiality with God, as we already see in Scripture. But I just want to read some quotes um, to show that that's clearly been the, the focus of the early church. That was the, the focus of the early church to love everyone. And no one was more, uh, you know, superior than a, another race or another culture or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to start off by reading uh, early Christian writer named Mark. Felix, Mark Meniscus Felix, in the, in the year 200, he says that, know that all persons are born alike with a capacity and ability, an ability of reasoning, feeling without preference, preference of age, sex, or class. Okay, so he's saying that everyone is born equally, regardless of preference, age, class, 
and any other thing that may have come up. And obviously back in these days, they didn't, there were African Christians, there were European Christians. Um, they didn't even see color as much as they do today. But even then you see that the, that they showed the love and equality to every person, regardless of their class. And back then in, in the secular world, um, the classes were that if you were well off, if you were wealthy, you didn't hang around poor people. You didn't hang around the common person. There was a separate way of life for those who were wealthy or those who had wealth. Um, but here, even against, he's going, so he's going against the secular culture. He's going against the world and saying that regardless of age, class, or um, gender, that you, everyone is born equal. Amen. Everyone is born um, with the same feelings, the same emotions, the same human qualities. Um, and so back then, it was clearly known for a believer to show love to everyone, regardless of their class or race or, or uh, age. So I'm going to go on and read another quote here. And this is from Lactentius in the year 304. And it says, if we all derive origin from one man whom God created, we are, we are clearly of one blood. Therefore, it must be considered the greatest wickedness to hate a man, even if he is guilty. For if we are all animated and enlivened by one God, what else are we then brothers? Amen. What else are we than brothers? So he's saying it's the the greatest wickedness to hate someone because they don't look like you or they are different from you or they have, uh, you know, they are poorer than you or they have more money than you because the God that we created, he created us all equally. So we don't have the right to decide who's who's worth what someone's worth is because he's the one who created everything and he's the one who created everyone. And he, he says that everyone is created equally. So, and I can go on and on with these quotes from early Christian writers saying the same thing about the equality that we should share specifically as Christians um, in the world. Now, we all have to understand that we are dealing with the world. <laughs> like we are dealing with people who are lost. Uh, we're dealing with a sinful, evil world that's run by the enemy. And the Bible says that Satan is the prince of this world. He's the ruler of this world. Obviously, that doesn't mean God isn't, isn't in control or he's you know, he has authority over, over God, but Satan is leading the world 
the majority of it to destruction. And so in, in the one sense, we should we shouldn't expect for a utopia. <laughs> we shouldn't expect for uh, true love in a world that is largely without a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? Because there's either light or darkness. There's no in between. The enemy will give an illusion to us to say that there is some type of middle ground and that you can be, you know, you don't have to be all the way darkness. You can be light and darkness or you can be in between. It's not that bad, but there's either light or darkness. There's either you follow Christ or by default, you're following the enemy. Um, and so there's no in between. So as believers, we should understand and remember that the world is dark. The world is, is godless uh, for the most part. And that's why Jesus is going to come and destroy the world. Okay. And he's actually going to come and make a new heaven and a new earth. But this world will be destroyed and he will come to save his people from this dying and perverse generation. Okay. That's the truth. Does that mean that we should just let things happen and just kind of sit back and, uh, you know, and pray and not do anything to invoke change? Not necessarily. Absolutely not. Um, but it, it also doesn't mean that we should forget what the outcome is going to be, what it is right now, and that we, we can't change the government. We can't change the systems of this world. And most importantly, un and unfortunately, we cannot change a person's heart. And racism is a heart issue because it's saying that one man is in his heart is saying that another man is less than him because of his race. And at the same time, racism is taught. We're not, they're not, we're not born uh, with racism in our bones. <laughs> we're born in a sinful world, but it, it, it has to be taught. You know, we grow in this dark generation, in this dark world, that we grow more and more separated from the from the Lord, and we we understand that racism isn't. You're not born racist. You're not born with the the outlook of someone being better or less than you. Um. But as a church, we need to understand that. We need to remember that this world is. Uh, run by the enemy and it's on the way to destruction and that's why it's our job to make disciples amen it's our job to impact the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of the kingdom and so you know I said earlier that it's important for us to know and to understand what Jesus says about Black lives matter over all lives matter. You know, it's like that slogan, what would Jesus do? You know, this is something we should ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? 
or what would Jesus say um, about Black Lives Matter? You know, because apparently there's some believers even that, you know, believe that Jesus wouldn't really care about Black Lives Matter. He would just be saying all lives matter. But let's see from the word, just give an example of what Jesus would say. So let's go to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And it says, we're going to start in verse 3. So he told them this parable, this meaning Jesus. Verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. I'll read that verse 7 again. Just so, I tell you, that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So you may be asking, what does this have to do with Black Lives Matter? How is this relevant? Well, we're just going to see the thought process behind this and see kind of how this relates to it, to Black Lives Matter. Verse 7, he's basically saying that there's the one person the one sheep is so important that he'll leave the 99 and bring and go find that sheep and bring him back as a shepherd because the 99 was already repentant they were already righteous right you know so even though um, there were 99 that were already righteous and already repentant. If one left, you know, he didn't just sit back and say, well, you know what? That's fine. I still got all these other sheep. So, you know, <laughs> I'll, hopefully they'll come back. But, you know, they all, all of them matter. So it's not a big deal. <laughs> no, they, they, he went after that one sheep until he found him and brought him back and rejoiced. Because he brought that one sheep back that needed it. Even though he already had the 99. Even though the 99 were fine. And I and I look at that in the way of the, the Black Lives Matter slash All Lives Matter uh, debate or movement. That even though um, it's clearly known that we... We care about white lives. Uh, we care about all lives. 
and the Black Lives Matter is not really saying that other lives don't matter, but black lives is a symbolism to me of that one sheep that has gone astray and needs help. You know what I mean? That needs to be rescued because the 99 are fine. And that represents the majority population. Um, and so I see that as um, an example of how it's important to point out that black lives matter. And even though that all lives matter, that the African-Americans in this country have needed help. They needed a savior. <laughs> they needed uh, to be cared for. They needed to be um, loved, to know that our our lives matter. It's not even action for, you know, a lot. It's just saying that our lives matter. Um, and so I look at that as an illustration of what it means to um, understand and, and, and tell people that black lives matter. It's not saying is all other lives don't matter. It's that that one life needs to be rescued and needs to be paid attention to. Irregardless of the fact that the other races or the other people are fine there's still that one race that has still been oppressed for centuries and so what does jesus think about this jesus would say that black lives matter <laughs> jesus would say that he would he would go out of his way to love African-Americans in his community, in his country, and make it known that he is, he, he is, uh, he stands up for the oppressed, you know, and in, in Isaiah, it was prophesied that he would come and heal the brokenhearted, he would set the captives free, and we obviously know that that's talking more specifically of the spiritual sense of what we need from Christ because of our sin. But it also means literally um, Jesus loves the brokenhearted. Jesus loves the oppressed. Jesus supports the oppressed. And he is, is he's made strong in their weakness and in our weaknesses. Amen. So me as an African-American man, I know and I believe that Jesus would support Black Lives Matter. Um, but let's go, let's talk about what does that mean for us? So now that we've, we've, we've gone through what Jesus would think about Black Lives Matter, what the Bible says about uh, equality and how every man is created equally, what the early Christians thought about it. So how would that affect us in our actions and what we should do about it? So we know us, we know we, we support the brokenhearted. We support the oppressed. And that's us, those of us who are African Americans 
And for those who are Caucasians or other races should know that Jesus would support black lives. But let's see what what is our place in this world as of our duty or our responsibility. So I'm going to read some scriptures to just kind of show us the difference of how a Christian should navigate in the world, how we should look at ourselves and the world. So I'm going to go to John 17, verse 16. I'm kind of going to be jumping through these verses kind of quickly. So if you have time, just write them down. You don't have to go through all of them with me. But I'm going to start at John 17, verse 16. It says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And that's Jesus talking. That's his prayer in John 17 before he is betrayed by Judas. He's telling, he's praying to his father, God, and saying that just as I am not out of this world, they are not of this world. He's talking to his, about his disciples, but he's also talking about us. Because if we are linked to him, we become like him. And just as he said, just as he is not of the world, we are not of the world. So we need to understand that we are not of the world. Okay. So then we go to Romans chapter 12, verse two says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So again, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So do not be just caught up in the world. Don't have the same mindset of the world. Go on verse uh, to second Corinthians chapter six, verse 17 says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. And I'm going to go to James pure and undefiled religion. This is James chapter one, verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And I'm going to go to the last verse. I can go on and on, but I'm going to go to the last verse, which is James chapter 4, verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So you see clearly that he, that the Lord wants us to be separate from the world. That we are not, and, and then Jesus also said that his kingdom is not of this world. We are not our first priority isn't the government the 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 government of the united states our first priority is supposed to be the government of the kingdom of god because he is our ultimate authority he says that we should we are to be separate from the world what does that look like okay now and we already mentioned earlier that it's not sit back and doing nothing about the issues that are going on in this world. 
But what is that? What what else? What else is it? Well, the number one thing is again prayer, love, and just supporting and helping those who are in need. Amen. So that's the number one thing we should be doing to help the 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 injustices that we see in America and not just racism, but anything that happens in America as far as things that are that are unjust, things that are uh against the word of God, um and things that are against that are against morality. Um we should be supporting and we should be helping those who are in need. But we shouldn't be caught caught up. We shouldn't get ourselves caught up so much in implementing the government and, and kind of uh, being a, a part of everything that goes on and allowing the government to dictate our lives in a sense of, you know, having unreal un expectations of a godless government that will never change. America is not born again. America is not the Christian nation that is supposed that it said at one point said it was it's not a Christian nation there will never be a Christian nation the only Christian nation is the church the church is the Christian nation we don't adhere to the to the the laws of this world that will go against God so, you know, it doesn't matter to us that gay marriage is, is legal. What does that matter to us? We're not a part of this world. I mean, of course, homosexuality is not of God, but it doesn't matter to us because this is not our government. This government belongs to the world. And we're here to love people we're here to share the gospel we're here to fight for those who are oppressed but we're not here to change this world in a sense of changing the government changing uh you know everything and making it uh, so that everyone is a christian that will never happen you can't legislate righteousness righteousness only comes through faith and if we eradicate racism, does that mean salvation eternally? No. Okay, so we have to understand, we have to get our priorities straight. Now, of course, I'm not saying it's wrong to protest or, you know, try to implement laws that will help, especially police officers do a better job and be held accountable for their actions. Um, but we still have to understand that these laws are not going to change a heart. And so I don't myself personally, I don't think that we should hold pastors accountable for not standing up and saying that, uh, you know, they're not, doing the will of God if they're not protesting or they're not doing certain things to stop racism uh, because number one 
we we know that Jesus said he didn't. You know, our our mission is not to stop the wrongs of the of our society. I'm gonna say that again. Our mission is not to stop the wrongs in society. Our mission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel so that men can be saved and make disciples. And as you make disciples, God does the changing. God does the work in our hearts and on our minds. And so we can implement all these laws as much as we want. And I'm not saying it's bad, but there's a priority that the spirit, the spiritual aspect of it is much more important. Okay. He didn't say go into all the world and make Republicans. He didn't say go into all the world and make Democrats. He didn't say all go into all the world and make liberals or whatever idea you think that you can attach Christ to your political agenda. It's not so. And so let's support and come together, especially those of you who are Caucasian and other races, support your brothers and sisters in Christ, especially uh, those of us who are African-Americans in this country, support Black Lives Matter, support the movement, support uh, holding police officers accountable. Support those things. Okay? Support. Because if not, we, we sh we've shown um, that clearly that's not according to the word of God that you wouldn't support Black Lives Matter. It's not according to Jesus. You know, he cares about the one. He cares about the oppressed. He was, he was sent for the brokenhearted. He was sent for the poor in spirit. The ones who are uh, the the needies, you know what I mean? The, the ones like black people in America who have been oppressed for hundreds of years. And so support, pray, and never, never take um, legal action more important than the spiritual action. The spiritual um, goal and the spiritual goal is what's going to matter <laughs> he says that the world and everything in it will pass away but his word will remain will remain forever so remember that his word will remain forever and that prayer is also very important in this time Prayer and love and support is extremely important. And remember that the only way we can change a person or a government is by, number one, presenting the gospel so that the Holy Spirit can do the change, so that the Holy Spirit can do reform in their spirit and in their soul. And change who they are so that they become that new creation. So that they, they can become uh, the new person in Christ. And have the new identity that we were talking about weeks ago. And what we were talking about in the weeks coming. And remember that we are ambassadors for Christ. We are uh, 
We are a peculiar people. We are a holy nation. We are not of this world. We are here to represent God and to show his love to everyone, especially us black people. Amen. And if there is any, any other races that are people or, uh, you know, classes that are being, uh, you know, oppressed in any way, we should be loving to those people specifically. That's what Jesus would have done. That's what Jesus wants us to do now. To show love and to be ambassadors for Christ in this in this wicked generation. And so I just want to encourage you to continue to pray for our country and pray for um, change. And most importantly, pray for the kingdom to manifest in the world for the kingdom to grow because in Romans 14 17 it says the kingdom of God is righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Ghost and more importantly than anything we want people to experience that righteousness the peace and joy in the Holy Ghost that we are supposed to be experiencing and thank God that we are able to take part in that by his grace by what he did on the cross. And so our only response is to love him and to love his people. And the people that he loves, he loves everyone. So we should love everyone. And so I just want to leave you with that. And I just want to thank you again for being here. Um, I look forward to our next episode, our final episode on Identity in Christ, our part three, kind of wrap that up. And <laughs> this episode here went longer than I, I thought it was going to go, but I pray that you were encouraged and strengthened and hopefully that you can pass this on um, and visit our Facebook page, Truth Be Told, and um, also our YouTube page and continue to support. And I thank you for all the positive feedback you've given me. Thank you for everyone who's been encouraging me to continue to let the Lord use me. I thank you that it's blessing you. Thank God that it's blessing you. And so uh, I just want to thank you and God bless you and see you next time. Mm -hmm.